0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 11th edition of the Big Footy Bombers podcast for Season 2021. I'm your host once again this evening, Bonsa34, and we are joined by a very uh, friendly guest of the show who, of course, has said many times that we need to trade Jake Stringer for a fourth-round pick, and that is Dero. How are you?
1: I'm very very well, thank you, Bonsa. I just want to say hi to Scooter, my good friend at uh, Bomber Blitz.
0: Why are we talking to Scooter from Bomber Blitz?
1: I hear he's a, an avid listener, so I just thought I'd do a shout-out.
0: Ah rightio. And we are also joined by our first time guest this evening, Mr. Bultitude. How are you? I'm well thanks Bons. Are you feeling a little bit nervous this evening?
2: No, nah, no, nah, it should be fun.
0: Well you should be because Dero and I don't take any shit so um, we're, we're, <laughs> <laughs> we're definitely hard taskmasters here aren't we Dero?
1: Oh I didn't realize I was a taskmaster master, but I'll, I'll take that
2: as a compliment.
0: So, obviously, um, Friday night went very well for us. Now, Dero, I know you are at the game. Mr. Bolditude, did you happen to get to Marvel Stadium on Friday night?
2: Uh, no, I did not. I had some plans that night. I was in the city, so it's been unfortunate, wistfully looking over to Marvel Stadium, but uh, I managed to watch the replay the next day.
0: I don't know about you, Dero, but I actually thought it was a pretty boring atmosphere at the ground, which sort of summed up the game a little bit. It didn't really seem to have too much, I suppose, tension in the air there wasn't any fireworks on the field it just seemed to continue on and 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 roll through and end up with a 10-goal win
1: it was the most boring 10-goal win i reckon i've ever seen once it was uh but i still had a good time i don't know about you but it was still good to win
0: yeah look you're never going to knock back a 10-goal win but i think you did very well mr polder to actually manage to watch the whole replay
2: uh yeah i thought i'd be faithful to the podcast and you know, get some contact before I jump on. And uh, <laughs> what's even better is that uh, I couldn't make it, so I gave my membership ticket to a Crom mate who went on my behalf, so I feel even extra terrible.
0: <laughs> now, we will start off, uh, and I think we'll start off with... Uh... The player I think is probably, I think I've said before, I think he's having a, a, a season a season best, or sorry, a career best season, Darrow, and that is Mason Redmond. I thought he was sensational on Friday night, and I, I do know that the boys on uh, ABC gave him the three votes and, and Merritt the two, and I actually don't think that's too bad of a shout for, for Mason for, for his game on Friday night.
1: I think uh, the umpires will give Merritt three votes, and that will be fair enough, but Mason for two, I, I'm happy with. Yep, definitely.
0: Well, it's it's hard because because Merritt, I, I honestly didn't notice him a great deal. I don't know if you know, I don't know if you feel the same thing watching the having seen the seen the game, uh, Mr. Baldishew. But I, I did not think he was all that impactful. I mean, looking at the stats, I was stunned he got so much of the ball.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I was surprised. To look at the numbers as well. Obviously, I had the the stats before I watched the game, and so I kind of had that, and I go, yeah, yeah, he actually is impacting. But if I wasn't aware and I was watching that live or on the go, I, I wouldn't have thought he was that prolific, but uh, yeah, just you look at the numbers and go, oh, okay.
0: And obviously, his, his partner in crime, Darcy Parish, um, experienced a tag for the first time on Friday night. And I actually think he did, did a relatively good job. He was, you know, fairly quiet by his standards. And he only had the, the 19 touches. But he did seem to me, being there live, drag his opponent away from the contest a little bit. So I think he actually had maybe 11 up until halftime and then didn't really have too much of the ball in that last quarter. I think he got seven touches in that third and then maybe one in the last. Heath Dog's probably slamming his head against his keyboard as he listens to this because I've no doubt got that wrong but I I thought when the game was there to be won he was still strong and and everything we'd expected of him but I I just think as as the sort of the heat went out of the game and we just sort of meandered towards the finish line that's when he probably didn't really wasn't really able to break the tag because he probably didn't feel that urgency or that need to to do so.
1: Isn't it good to to have a few players that can uh, bear the load when required Zach played well, but Merritt was... De- uh, sorry, Zach played well. Merritt <laughs> was good still. <laughs> but Parrish, you know, he had 19 possessions, I think, at the end of the game. And, and that's a down game considering he's he's been getting 40 every week uh, over the last few weeks. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good problem to have. And you chuck a few more in there like Sheil, and we're looking good,
2: mate. I thought Parrish... Despite the numbers looking a bit quieter than his last few rounds, he had an impactful game. When he had the ball, he did something good with it. He ended up having six tackles, which is, I think, the most in the side for that game bar stringer. So he wasn't quiet. He was doing some stuff away from the ball, which is still as impactful. And, um, you know, five clearances, a few inside 50s. So he wasn't quiet, but wasn't as prolific as we kind of think the stats should be or what we're getting used to now from Darcy Parish this season. But I, I actually really liked his game. I really enjoyed watching him.
0: Yeah, look, and it's a little bit frustrating for me because I do have money on him to win the Brownlow and any game he doesn't get three is a real kick in the teeth for that bet. But I am glad you mentioned Stringer. And, and look, I do give you a little bit of shit, Darrow, but I, I will just ask what you thought of his game on Friday night because yeah, he, he did lead the, the team for tackles the same as Darcy. He was 562 metres gained. You know, he had another 20-odd disposals. He kicked a goal. He is just sort of becoming the player that, that I think we hoped we'd get when we, we traded those two first three, oh, two second-round draft picks rather to the dogs for him.
1: Man, he's been awesome. He's been fantastic. I'm just worried about what we're going to have to pay him uh, on five weeks of good form you know, at the end of the day, because he's been been up and down, he's been injured, and he's put together a few good weeks, but uh, it's kind of, it's a tough one, and he's also 28, 29 years old, isn't he, at the end of the day, so realistically, you know, can we afford to pay him, you know, put him on a four-year contract and and pay him the 800 grand or whatever, you know, has been rumoured that he's going to get?
0: Well, he's actually only just turned twenty-seven. Well, I say just turned. It was a couple of months ago. So you're right. He will be towards the senior end of his of his career by the time the four years, if he rolls around, ends up. But for a bloke who's probably. You know, fairly maligned at times in, in the supporter group. He has averaged 16 touches and two goals a game. And it's statistically, it's his best best season for t- for touches he's ever had. Be- second best for goals compared to 2015, which was, of course, his breakout year. Uh, he's laying more tackles now than he ever has before. Clearances are obviously up because he's spending more time in, in the midfield. Contested possessions and is obviously up again. But that's a byproduct of the fact that he's managed to, to, to play more in the midfield this year. <sighs> I do agree with you, though. I think $800,000 is a bridge too far for Eston with with our list profile. But if I was the club, I would be offering him potentially three with fairly easy triggers for a fourth, you know. So we go, okay, look, if you play 18 games in your third year, you'll get a fourth because it shows that he's able to, to run out the season. I think your concerns about his body potentially break it down a valid and and that's why I think I'd be putting a games target down for his fourth season if that was the contract that we put in
2: front of him yeah I'm with you on that Bonds I think three years with a chance to extend for four is good for him I think I'm right he's the only guy on the side with kids so you might be thinking he wants to uh safeguard that and I know someone said in the, the board at some point you know I don't think he got quite as much as he could have gotten his in his younger years uh kind of messed that up so he's probably trying to make up for lost ground there. But another thing about String I found interesting from what I watched and just looking at the stats, I reckon that was his most midfield heavy game he's played for us. He had the equal high inside 50s for the side. I'm pretty sure he had the most clearances as well. So that, that was a weird thing I saw from, from Jacob. 23 disposals as well. So he's getting involved in the midfield and I reckon that was one of the bigger games I saw from him in the midfield as well as being dangerous up forward.
0: The other uh, component to Friday night's win was was our defence again. Now, the, the defence, obviously Adelaide were missing Tex Walker and as it turns out, their secondary targets are aren't much chop at the moment. But that was definitely a game, I think, Darrow where we would have expected our defenders to get on top of their opponents. And, and that's always been a risk for Essendon in the past. We, we've had games in the past where we expect our players to do certain things and it's fallen apart. I mean, I think if you go back, even back to the James Hurd era where we were, I think we were undefeated and Melbourne hadn't won a game and Melbourne rolled us in in one of the worst games I've ever seen the Essendon Football Club play so so for me it was very pleasing to see our defenders probably dominate a a forward line that we expected them to do in such a commanding way that they did on Friday night
1: absolutely I think the defense is one area that I've felt reasonably confident in over not just this year I think for for a few years now we've got a few reasonably good players out so we we seem to have a bit of depth there but uh, it's interesting though like um I don't think The defence is our concern. I think we really need to be concerned with our our forwards.
0: Yeah, you're 100% right. The forward line is the the concern. And... I think one incident for me, for the forwards, uh, Mr. Boulter, on, on Friday night really summed up, I think, where our forward line is at at the moment, and that was, was Langford picked the ball up on the wing, um, and he kicked a Hooker in a one-on-one. Now, he actually kicked it, sort of, he kicked it to Hooker's side of the contest, but also put it a little bit over his head. So all Hooker had to really do was just basically push off his, his opponent, turn around, run back, and take the easy mark. But Kale, being the fact that he's now 32 years old, I say 32, or... Well, Somebody will, will no doubt fact-check that for me. He just didn't have the legs to do it. So it was a great kick from Kyle. And if it had been any other forward in the league in their prime, and even, you know, Kyle. 2 years ago it would have been the easiest of marks but because Kyle can't turn as much it's ended up being a, a scrub kick to space which I think Adelaide then rebounded out relatively easily which it's a big concern despite the fact that we are one of the high scoring teams our forward line moving forward because Kale is clearly at the end of of his of his career um, and I don't think anybody can argue otherwise where do you think the improvements going to be for the rest of the year is, is Kyle going to continue getting his one or two goals you know for the last seven rounds or is somebody else going to step up and fill the void
2: it's a really uh tough question very touchy on the subject of kale i'm i'm a big big chook fan so it's been hard to see this decline and i'm in a state of denial as much as i can absolutely 100 percent. yeah so i get a bit frustrated when i see i, I don't deny the, the the facts and i'm not trying to defend him but I just the talk over the threads about his uh declining skills it's just hard to read because I just love him too much but um I remember that I think I recall that pass that you're talking about and usually that'd be his bread and butter uh, you kind of trust his dukes more than anything in his game And he seems to have lost that in the last few rounds which I'm not sure why uh, my initial thought was maybe he's because he's drawing usually the, the strongest defenders and he still is so that might have nullified him a bit but he's it's too much of a drop. And, but I did like the first goal he kicked. He positioned himself at the back of the pack and, and and picked up the ball there. And something that we don't do very often in the forward line, we kind of are all at the front and and usually is usually clean up at the back and away they go and the ball goes out of about 50. So that was kind of nice to watch. But I don't know where the answer is going to come from in our forward line if it's not Kale. Peter Wright's been pretty good. I'd like to probably see him step up a bit. Jones is slowly building himself. But I think if that's what we've got to work with, I think it needs to be a better disciplined forward line who can set themselves up well. I think there's a screenshot in the thread of the post game where you've got Wright and Hooker in the goal square together. They should be apart. They should be trying to draw defenders away and sort of create these packs that we always want to bomb long to. So maybe some discipline in the forward line might help because I don't know who's going to step up.
0: It is a tough. Tough topic to talk about because I think there's I don't think there's Neston fan of life that doesn't love Kyle Hooker and, and Dara, I think you did sum it up perfectly on the, the board. I think it was about this time last week when I mean, I'm sort of paraphrasing you but but you, you did say that you know he's still taking that main defender and and for as long as he does that, he's still useful to the side. It just just depends on is he going to be able to bring the ball to ground. Because if he's taking the number one defender and the number one defender's running off him, then the, the it's it's no point having him out there. It, it really there really isn't. If if he's gonna be have you know the Stephen Mays and, and the Harris Andrews and all the other all these other defenders just run off him you need to set mark. The argument that he still takes the number one defender doesn't hold any weight anymore.
1: No, I agree completely with what you just said, Ponce. He's just not them at the moment. It sort of gets to the point where he becomes a liability when you've got players like May who unfortunately made him look you know pretty average but when he was kicking two or three goals a game you know he's more than breaking even but at the moment he's not so i think maybe unfortunately we're getting closer to the time where we we may have to look at another option and i think someone in the thread today suggested right maybe and i don't think i would have agreed with that you know one or two weeks ago but at the moment i'm thinking well maybe we might be better off with with Hooker out and right in there Playing that, that key role and having another player maybe running around it at his feet, I don't know.
0: Yeah, look, I think the, for me, the obvious selection move is, is if we were to move Hooker out of the side, would be to bring Brian in to play Wright's current role and, and then, or even Draper to play Wright's current role and Brian take the ruck and then and then right to, to where Hooker is. But we won't dwell too long on that because there is another bloke, Mr. Boltitude who played sensationally on uh, Friday night. Look, I, I was all for giving him a rest because I strongly believe that he was out of a bit of touch and, and a rest could have helped him. But thank God they didn't rest Archie Perkins because, I mean, he kicked three goals. He, he missed three as well. He kicked 3-3. Three, three, probably could have had, you know, or he really should have had four or five. He had 18 touches. His inside 50 work was great. He had four inside 50s, 338 metres gained. He had nine score involvements. And he laid two tackles in the forward 50. So his pressure in the forward half was just really, really good on Friday night. And surely come Tuesday morning or Tuesday night, whenever they announce it, he gets the rising Star on this week.
2: Yeah look if he doesn't get it we riot the board just goes full bunter he was he was awesome he was the best part of that match watching him step up take the game by the scruff of the neck and and just say to Adelaide I'm I'm the captain now this is my game and yeah I thought he looked a bit done all the three all the young guys in our team I thought looked real cooked last few rounds so I was a bit hesitant to see them or at least all of them or some of them rested not rested but he just surprised everyone I think even even richer at the end of the game watching I think the seven commentaries just gushing over him and and everyone I think he's gonna be the flavor of of the month or of the season for, for like, AFL is just gonna love him um, as he grows into the player that's gonna be he, he plays like a player who's not he's not in his first year he, this is the way a second, third, fourth year player is playing he's got this strength that he just Breakthrough tackles. He has this smart one-on-one ability. He seems to be able to read his player really well and, and break from them and get some distance and, and link up with other players really well. I, I just haven't seen that maturity in a, in a first-year player in quite some time. So I'm really surprised. I know he kind of shanks it a bit and rushes a bit with his foot, but apart from that, his game is just so clean and mature. It's just a joy to watch. I don't know what else I can say.
0: He just seems to have a lot of time and space whenever he gets the ball, really, which... Dero, he's, he's unreal for a first-year player because he just, he I think as Mr. Multitude was b- b- saying then, he just looks like he belongs. He just he, looks like he's he's walked into this level. And and, and while we're discussing him, I will just also uh, ask you, what did you think of Cox's game? Because, you know, 19 disposals, there's a lot of people clamouring for him to be dropped this week. And, and I was absolutely one of them. I thought, look, we need to give this, this bloke a rest. But again, you know, he, he he was equally as good as Perkins just without the uh, the scoreboard impact.
1: Just quickly i i reckon perkins has got some swag i like the way he gets his arms free when he's tackled that's the biggest thing for me but yeah getting back to cox yeah cox was good i think this week um he looked really he looked a bit tired last week but he he's he's bounced back and i guess that's the thing you you probably should expect with young players they are going to be inconsistent until they find their feet and you know that's going to take a few years generally does especially with with tall guys i i Suspect, but, uh, you yeah, know, I mean, it's hard, isn't it? I you like to, to judge these guys?
0: Yeah, it, it is, because they are so young. And, and the other thing I liked about Cox on, on Friday night, and it may potentially get him in trouble as as clubs start to um, put some more work into him around the ground and start to compile a list of, of notes on, on what he likes to do, Mr. Boatitude. But I did like the fact that he tried, well, he, he sort of invited the contact he was happy for a bloke to tackle him. Then he just lifted his big arms up above them and handball it out. Now a couple of times he frustrated a little bit because it didn't quite come off. But but I, I think someone his size and look, Channel Seven of Yeah, I don't know if you guys know, but he's apparently he's 200 centimetres tall. But if we can get him doing that stuff on a regular basis, it's, he's going to be a frightening matchup for anybody across the league. It doesn't matter who.
1: I'm interested to see how how big he gets. Imagine that agility with the strength, you know, like if he he puts on 10 or 15 kilos and has the ability to, like at the moment he's breaking tackles, but if he gets to the point where he's really breaking tackles, I mean, no one will be able to stop him. It'll be like Jonah Lomu running down, you know, in rugby, amazing, you know, strength to power ratio. So
0: we'll see, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I love the Jonah Lomu reference. I'm a, I was a big fan of his back in the day, and I was devastated when he uh, had to retire uh, as early as he did. There another bloke that I think we've mentioned on this podcast before—I think yourself um, and JMU and I had a chat about him last time. That's Will Snelling, and and he was very solid again on on Friday night. He, he had his twenty, you know, he had his twenty-four touches, his his couple of tackles, his forward work again. I thought was was very good. He had you know eight score involvements. I think Jade and I discussed earlier in the year as well that that he might be that the sort of bottom sixteen to twenty-two player that every premiership side has. And Jade at the time said, oh. If he's going to be that player, then geez, you've got a really good 16 players in front of him. I will tell you what, that's not a bad call right now because because he is one of the form players in our side as we speak.
1: I reckon Jade, Jade made a pretty good call there. Absolutely, you know he oh yeah, what did he have? 23, 24 touches on the weekend. He is a really solid player, and I think you um, you touched on this the last time we spoke. It's the inside uh, work that he does in the forward line. You know the the tackles he lays. So
2: pretty good player yeah I, I'm a big Stelling fan I, I love the way he goes about in his work and his footy I've said this on the board before and, I, and I'll say it to most people when I'm talking about him in person that I, he's the kind of player that that a Richmond uh, coaching staff absolutely froth over. That role player who does the hard work, wants to be a part of it, is hungry for it. That's the biggest difference between him, I think, and a lot of other players on our side. He has this uh punk will to compete and, and put himself in the game. I think one of the things to his credit was when he was injured. He, his presence was sorely missed, I feel like. As much as the forward line's been a bit haphazard, it felt even further apart when he wasn't around to bring that pressure, uh, bring that work rate up. I'm a big fan of that. So, yeah, I'm a really big Snelling fan. I love his little story. You know, I think his mid-season draft perfection, like no other, I think no other team has nailed it recently uh, like we have with Snelling.
0: No, he, he has been a great pickup, especially in the mid-season draft. And and look, we will, we will move on from this game, but there is one more player I do want to just just quickly touch on. And, and Darrow, he has been much maligned on our board, and, and that is, of course, Tom Cutler. He probably could easily be, be considered within boy status on the Essendon board at the moment. I thought his game on Friday night was very good. I thought he did exactly what we recruited him to do. He ran, he provided that carry, he provided that big, long, booming kick. His only issue is he does make the occasional error. And for whatever reason it is, whether it be the fact that that we're all waiting for him to do it or or we're all a little bit more critical of him, his errors just seem to stand out a lot more than any others. But again, I, I still thought he was very, very good on Friday night.
1: I think if it doesn't work out for him playing football, I think he's going to do very well off the park. And that's all I really have to say about Cutler.
0: So, so we do now obviously turn our attention to this coming Sunday, the 110 game against North Melbourne. Now, I think they're they're still uh, sitting pretty at the bottom of the ladder, and even if they somehow miraculously get the win tomorrow night, they'll they'll still be sitting there below Hawthorne. It's a game we should win. Um, it's a game that we we dominated earlier in the year. And, and look, if I if I'm honest, Mr. Bowden, I, I don't really see a lot of difference between North earlier in the year and now. I think I, think I made a joke on the board that um, we'll talk them up so that if we win it looks better than it, it does and if we lose we can also say we called it but really this is again a, a game that Eston should not be dropping.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I haven't really seen a big difference between now and when we played them. Uh, I'm not sure who... Is out injury-wise compared to then, or who's in the side compared to then? I haven't really been watching their season to be honest. I'm probably not alone in that. Yeah, I think we should win this comfortably. I don't see why we wouldn't be, uh, barring any major outs on our side or any you know impactful injuries during the game. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I feel bad for saying that. I shouldn't feel bad, but yeah, I just don't see how North can can uh, get away around it or change it up. Uh, they, they don't seem to be a bit listless at the moment. Which is a bit sad, but not sad really. So yeah, I'm with you, Bontz. I don't see we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna lose this one.
0: I mean, Derek you have to look at their side, and and their dominating players at the moment appear to be Aaron Hall and Ben Cunnington, who hold absolutely zero fear for me in the midfield, especially against our current midfield and the output they're doing. And then you've got Jack Zebel who's seemingly getting bulk touches, kicking the ball out of. Of defense. So he's great for fantasy, but he's not doing a hell of a lot um, on the field. So, yeah, where where do you sit with North? Do you see, see us losing this one in, in any way, shape or form? Is there a possibility of an upset? I've never been one to ten fight uh, at the end of the day. <laughs> and And honestly, honestly,
1: I think if we're ever going to lose one, it's going to be against North Melbourne. But I I agree wholeheartedly with what you've said, and there is no fear. I I rate Cunnington. I like him as an inside player, but um, they don't have a lot going on. And, and yeah, unfortunately... (laughs) They, they don't have a lot of talent on their list at the moment, but I've said it, so um, hopefully fate doesn't teach me a lesson.
0: Yeah, and, and I was probably being a bit disingenuous there, Mr. Boldtude, by by listing those three as their, their informed players, because obviously they do have Robbie Tarrant as well, but but he's no better than, than say, you, you, Stephen May, Jake Lever, Tom Stewart, and we... Well, for all of the Melbourne game, we certainly pushed Melbourne and for, you know, quarter and a half, we pushed along. So I don't think him standing up in this one is really going to make a massive difference. And especially since they're coming off about a what is a five-day break and we're having about a nine-day break. It seems to me there would be inexcusable to lose this game.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm I'm feeling. Uh, gee, he'd be filthy if that was your team coming off a break like that. I'm glad it's not us for once. I feel like that's something that always uh, seems to happen to us. So... It's nice to be on the other side of that. The thing is, with during the season, you usually be talking about at least one player from every team that seems to be lighting it up and being consistent. And for North, uh, there's no real player that comes to mind. No one's really stepped up. Again, I haven't been paying too much attention, so I'm happy to be corrected or told otherwise. But no one seems to be rising to the top. Like You're right, like Cunners doesn't really instill any any fear for me either. Uh, I, I kind of hear his name and go, oh, yeah, that guy. Apart from that, maybe Zerhar is the only player that I feel like plays with any real conviction for the side at the moment. But apart from that, no one's really stepping to the plate and uh, leading by example.
0: Now, we'll move away from the AFL for a second and move to VFLW. The girls obviously played their second semi final against the previously undefeated Collingwood on Saturday. Unfortunately, they didn't get the chocolates. They did lose 2 6 18 to 1 11. They will, of course, pledge along this weekend in a preliminary final. I believe it's at 12 o'clock at Windy Hill. It's disappointing to lose Mr. Bouldershoot, but it's still good to see you know, the, the Bombers in finals. And, and of course, they appear to have pushed Collingwood, as I said, who were undefeated, relatively um, hard on, on the weekend. And it bodes well for them should they, should they get over Geelong and make it into the grand final?
2: Yeah, definitely, boss. It was—it's really good to see. Unfortunately, you want the win, but to see them go that far into finals and they're still in with a sniff—it's really cool to see. It's something that we're really not used to at the Bombers, so this is really exciting. And I hope it puts some pep in the in the rest of the. Uh, the club step but it's it's also good for us you know heading into aflw over the next year or so to show that hey we we um we mean business in the women's football we're here to make a mark we're not here for just the uh participation award we want to want to get the win so and I didn't realize that Collingwood were uh, undefeated uh for the season so that's really impressive as well to push it to them take it to them yeah I'm pretty excited about the future for for our women's side across the board
0: yeah and look I don't know what the process is for selecting these players once the AFLW side does get involved. But our captain in, in Georgia, and did have 28 disposals, and she laid 13 tackles, which alongside Prasparkas who laid 12. I mean, 25 tackles with two players is just... It's mind-boggling stuff. I, I think tackling numbers are a little higher in the VFLW, but it's still... An impressive effort and i think if we were to beat geelong i i think we could see a fairly strong pro essendon crowd because i feel like our fans like to get out in numbers for these sort of events
1: on there mate essendon finals i don't care i'm up for that bring it on
0: <laughs> so does this mean you'll beat uh windy hill on saturday at 12 o'clock to give us a a, uh, a live commentary of the vflw preliminary final?
1: I'll see you at the Windy Hill Social Club, Bons, and we'll we'll do a live commentary.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure I'll make it, but but I look forward to uh, your efforts, mate. Now we will just go back to the AFO now as well. And Daryl, I will just ask you a question that's probably starting to get a little bit of traction on the board, and and I'm not too sure if we could talk about it yet, but Daryl, I'm going to ask you anyway. Can we start talking about the F word? Is the F word something that the Bombers can potentially look towards this year?
1: Well, you're talking about fate again, aren't you?
0: It makes me nervous
1: when we start talking about fate. I don't want to say anything that may be linked to fate, but geez, it would be nice to play finals, and we've got a couple of games that we probably should win, so maybe in a couple of weeks it may come up so
0: that's it for me I'm not going to say anything else on that one mate I can't believe you just said the F word I can't believe you said it out loud what's wrong with you the good news for us was Richmond obviously lost today which which kept us above them the bad news for us as well is is that Fremantle won which I think was to be expected because Hawthorne are rubbish St Kilda won which doesn't help us and which was a bit of a surprise because of, of Brisbane and of course uh, G, you know, GWS did get beat, beaten by the Suns but then Sydney beat the Bulldogs so Mr. Bolditude look we are talking Talking out the F word, we may be doing a little bit early. Some games went our way. (laughs) Unfortunately, some didn't. It would be tough from here, but but as Dero just said, because, I mean, I think he just said that we're going to be undefeated for the rest of the year with games that we should win. It is possibly something we can maybe look forward to this year.
2: I'm all for it. Bring it on. I don't like the talk of, oh, I don't want to make finals because I don't want to get... You know, we don't want to get false hopes up or, or you know, we're further along than we think we are. And no, nah, just go for it. See, see what the side can do. The, the, they're running high on confidence and they're loving playing together. Give it a crack. And and I think that the higher ups at, at Bombers um, have no delusions that we're at and um will appreciate any, any sign of uh, of mongrel and this side want to play. And yeah, I, I'm all about it. If we don't make it, that's great. That's fine. Look, we're giving it a really good crack every week, but if we can get a sniff and get some finals footy uh, into some of these younger kids, I think that's just going to benefit us going long-term. I don't want to play it safe. I want to see them just uh, rip it apart, and seeing Richmond lose like that, it's pretty inspiring to think, you know, we, we could take it to these teams. There's no there's no reason why we couldn't beat a team like Richmond, even though they beat us. Mind you, they haven't won since they've, they beat us, so I'm not sure if I can... Uh, we can claim someone said they can claim that as a moral victory on our board and i might hop onto that myself so i think the guys are riding high on confidence and they love them playing together i haven't enjoyed watching the bombers like this in almost ever i think so wouldn't mind seeing them try and get a get a finals crack because it's just really exciting to watch
0: Yeah, look, I think, uh, unfortunately, for Richmond, we were their grand final this year, and they gave it everything they had. And they did beat us, but it seems to have taken everything out of them. And, look, I do agree with you in that I don't see this whole, uh, I don't want to play finals because we're going to get smashed. You know what? Playing finals is is what it's all about. And, And the thing is, yes, we might get smashed, but what if we don't? What if what if we win a final or win two finals? And, you know, it gets some confidence into the kids. So so look, I, I'm not quite sure I'm with Dero in that in that um, all our games for the rest of the year are winnable and we should win them and therefore make finals, because um, that's exactly what he just said. But um, I, I do think that hang on a second,
1: mate. is that what I is that really what I just said? I don't know about I, that. But
0: I think if Beery edits it right, that's exactly what you said. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, no, as you did say, mate, we do have a lot of winnable games coming. So final we don't want to say it too loudly because it's still a long shot but if it happens it, it would be great And i certainly don't subscribe to the theory that that we should um miss the eight to keep the hunger alive but i think that will do us for this evening lads um darrow thank you for coming on uh you were the last minute call up you were the uh, the hero that we needed but not the one we wanted is that the is that the quote have i got that right
1: i think that's probably an apt description and I'll, i'm happy with that
0: and thank you as well mr bolditude i hope your uh, first time on here wasn't too painful, and uh, Darren and I didn't go too hard on you.
2: No, it was an absolute pleasure. Had, uh, had the pleasure. It was a pleasure. we got got a got a. Where, where did you own a cafe somewhere, Mister Bultitude, or is that is that your? I used to work in a cafe. Yeah, never owned one. Not I, that stupid. I, uh, <laughs> I thought there was something about you with
1: um coffee somewhere. That's where I remember you from. I, I was
2: yeah wondering, yeah. Yeah, I'm a coffee roaster at the moment. Yeah, yeah, used to used to do the barista dance for a while. So. All
0: right. So we'll let these two have their private chat later. So thanks again, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, right. for, for listening right, in. If, if anybody else wants to jump onto the podcast, by all means, let us know. We're always happy to take new guests on and um, have a lovely evening. Thank you once again.